Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Come on, side, side, side. What up, everybody? This is Ed Lover. Come on, set the podcast. So, Rakim's birthday was the other day. I think it was the 28th. And Rakim is the God MC. It ain't no two ways about it, right? So, I got a call. From uh, Josh Adam Myers, and he has a podcast called The 500. So he wanted to do a Zoom interview with me, talking about Eric B. and Rakim's paid in full, hip-hop in general, and a lot of other stuff. So I was like, bet, bet, I'll do it, I'll do it, why not? Because Josh, Josh is a good dude. He's a comedian, he has a podcast, he's a really cool, cool dude that loves hip-hop the way I do. Um, and I was like, I don't do a lot of other people's podcasts, but Josh is a really, really dope dude, right? And um, so I'm like, yeah, I'll do Josh's podcast. Why not? So we sat down and we talked, man, and we talked and talked and talked and talked about everything, about hip-hop, about Rakim, about Rakim's impact on hip-hop, about the album Paid in Full. We just we had to give flowers to the God MC, man, and I think we accomplished that. And then when we finished the interview— I asked Josh, I was like, Josh, you know, I have a podcast also. And he was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I know. And I was like, do you mind if I share this podcast with my, on my platform as well as you putting it on your platform? So we kind of doing, you know, a, a dual podcast. So I wanted my listeners that might not always listen to Josh's podcast, listen to somebody interview me for a change. I'm the one that's usually doing the interviewing, right? So here is, without any further ado, here's Eric B. and Rakim, the 500, Josh, Adam Myers, and me, Ed Lover, talking about the album Paid in Full and a whole lot of other stuff right here on Come On, Son, the podcast. Come on, son, son. All right, y'all. Well, Scootily do, boodily do, ep, 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 scootily, ep, skit, skit, ep, skit, scootily do. Coming in at 228, paid in full by Eric B. and Rakim. Huh! Growing up as a as a child born in 1979 in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, I still can remember the day that MTV came to my neighborhood. Well, cable came to my neighborhood, and it was in 1990. I was about 10 years old, and the first thing that I did was turn on MTV. And I mean, I grew up with our guest today. Uh, because, yeah, I might be this white boy from Germantown, Maryland, but, yo, I'm, I know hip-hop. I know hip-hop. <laughs> um, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, the legend, the one, the only, Ed Lover. Thank you for coming on today, brother. Yo, what up? What's good, baby? What's happening? 
No, um, please tell me what's what's been going on. You know what's funny is last night I was I, I did a show at the Comedy Cellar and then I got home and I actually searched uh, to find Who's the Man because I hadn't seen it in a while and I was yeah. like, let me just get high and watch Who's the Man and I think I got <laughs> I got I'm I'm forty four so I I mean literally eight seconds into it I fell asleep and I woke up and in my clothes. <laughs> That's so. the best way to watch it is high. <laughs> <laughs> What That's so what, what I watch now if I see it, I'll be high as hell. So you're you're st- I mean, you know, like can I ask you I guess before we get into what's going on now, it's just like how how did that happen? Like, you know, you know, we, you know, you suddenly become immersed into the world of hip hop. Was that something that you sought out or is it just kind of fell into your lap? It was it was it was kind of like a little bit of both. It was hip hop has always been something that I've 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 loved for for a very long time. For the first time I heard uh, Kumo D destroy Busy B on a tape back in the days that my cousin had that he get, he made a copy of it for me so that I could have it. And I was like the only cat around my neighborhood to have that. And then growing up or uh, not uh, about four blocks away from Jam Master J and being immersed in, in as a DJ, as a young crate carrier, for a DJ just so I could be behind the ropes when they jammed in the park and all of that stuff. And then learning how to DJ at a very early age when disco was the thing before hip hop. And um, and then the breaks, breaks started coming along, like around like 78, 79, people just started DJing those records and they would just catch the beats. And initially the, the MC was just there to hype up the DJ, to throw your hands in the air kind of stuff. and. You know, the Woody Woods, Eddie Chibas, Lovebug Starsky, um, you know, all of the all of the early, early cats that um that was that was doing things like that. That's what caught me. And then just when the ramen started getting a lot better, and then those tapes started going around, and you heard Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Four, before there was five of them, when you heard the uh Grandmaster Cast. And when you heard the Fantastic Romantic Five and the God Breakout damn. Brothers and all that, all that stuff was on tape. And then eventually they started doing these discos. Actually, in old and in, in like they had armories. Every every little city had their own armory. Yeah, Queens DC had, an DC had DC Armory. There used to be like right. parties and there, you know, raves. That's where, yeah, where, where uh, what was it? The reserves would be at and stuff. So when they wasn't anything wasn't going on, they would people would throw parties in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then those artists would, you know, those groups would come around and be at the armory. You pay a little bit of money, and my mother let me go with my older brother, and that's what really caught me with 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 hip hop. Wait, time out for a second before before you go any further. So just so I'm clear, because for years I had no idea. I so an armory isn't just a music venue or a nightclub spot. It's where they hold army reserves. That's where all the army reserves and all the stuff, they used to hold up all the equipment and all of that stuff in the armory. That's why they call it an armory. <laughs> that makes sense now. I just thought it was like, yeah, man, this is remember, a- Remember, they used to have, they have parties in the armory. Huge parties in D.C. Yeah, it have- was like, it, like extremely big thousands of people parties in the armory. And we're like, so go- we go- like, we set the DJ, uh, we can set the DJ table up there on that tank and just like, we'll move, <laughs> we'll move those destroyers. And that's, that's right. that, that is badass. And so you were- and let's in- rock, let's rock out. So let's, it was- It's where is that? That's in, is that in Queens or is that in- It's in Queens, at the okay. Queens Armory. Yeah, so you'd rock out and, and you see all of these groups coming on with all these routines and 
really nobody was making a record yet. It wasn't on wax. And then here comes the Sugar Hill Gang with Rapper's Delight. But before that, there was a group out of Queens called the Fatback Band. And they had okay. a song called King Tim the Third Personality Job. Okay. But Fatback Band was a band. It wasn't like just, you know, a rap group. He was featured on their record. You know, he was doing some some rhymes and stuff on their record. But the Sugar Hill Gang is what we credit as the very first hip hop record. Just why pure. is it that why is it that Sugar Hill Gang gets the the kudos as being the first record? Because I know Rapper's Delight, and I know what like Apache, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that was that was after Rapper's that Delight. Was, okay, that was after. But Rapper's Delight is like the first known. But if there were these guys that you're saying before them, then... they were an R&B group. Oh, okay. And they, you know, they featured this cat named King Tim, the third personality jock on this record. But the real traces of hip hop could be taken all the way back when I don't even think the cats that was doing it knew that, it, you know, that what it was evolved to. I remember as a kid, my mom playing a record that from a comedian that she liked by the name of Pig Meat Markham. <laughs> and and Pig Meat Markham had a song called Here Comes the Judge. And he rhymes the whole song. Hmm. It's music and he's he's rhyming the whole song. Here ye, hear ye, the court is me. I'm just about ready to do my thing. I don't want no tears. I don't want no lies. Also, I don't want no alibis. That's rap. Yeah, it is rap. But 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 they didn't call it rap. So Sugar Hill gets the credit as being the first really rap record and it's weird because hip-hop started in new york and the sugar hill gang and sugar hill records were out of new jersey yeah so, yes okay no i get it you look but i mean right next to one another what are they are they newark right jersey city i mean that's yeah, literally they were, they're around that inglewood newark yeah. area yeah so they get the credit for it and i don't know but the sugar hill gang was different because they were a put together rap group like master g was doing his thing uh, they're always doing their thing. Hank wasn't even really rhyming. Like, all of Hank's rhymes are Grandmaster Cass written. Okay. Hank worked at a pizza parlor <laughs> and heard about it and asked Cass. He knew Cass, and Cass gave him a book of his rhymes. Really? Yeah. That's why you hear him say, I'm the C-A-S-A and O-V-A, and the rest is F-L-Y. That's what Cass used to call himself, Casting Over Fly. No way. All of those, and he got no money for it. He got no credit for it. Nothing. Everything that comes out of Big Bank Hank's mouth was written by Grandmaster Cash. That is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. But were there were there a lot of ghostwriters back then? I mean, was no, it... he didn't. He didn't mean. To, he didn't mean. No, but you know what I mean. But just like, just yeah. like when, because you're saying it starts no. with it starts with the beats. It starts. You said know, goes from disco into the break beats. They get the break beats, and the DJs start taking off. And now it's like you have Sugar Hill Gang that is starting to do like you said. You had the Here Come the Judge guy, which was rap, but it wasn't identified as rap. And now you have right. Sugar Hill Gang, which is rap. And like, right. so when was it? When was the first time you heard the word hip hop? Oh, when does man, that get brought in? On, it was on one of them tapes. It's on one of them tapes. You know, when I first heard the word hip hop, it's probably like around the around Wild Style when Wild Style and stuff and stuff like that came out. Yeah. When they started doing that, then I started hearing the word hip hop more or less. More Before than Sugar Hill. It was disco. It was yeah. disco. Everything, everything, everything was disco. 
everything. What was the vibe like at those block parties, at those armories? Like, oh, was amazing. It, was it, was it, it was just love and positivity. It had yeah. to have been. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was so, it was so incredible. It was so incredible that sometimes the gangs would show up and, and just be dancing. Really? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, this is weird. Like these guys are out here looking for girls. Yeah. Dancing. It was like whoever bought their equipment out on a Saturday and knew how to manipulate the light pole so they could plug their stuff into the light pole and just like hundreds and hundreds of kids out there just dancing. Did the cops try and shut it down or did they shut it down a lot? In the early, in the early times, yeah, but I guess after a while the cops were like, we know where they at. And it's good. So it's yeah, and it's positive. It's not like I mean, look, right. like you said, the, the gangsters are gonna be there. So, but if but if there's all good vibes, yeah, then who then like let them be, let them finally just have something that's right. fun. And so and right. so you're you're seeing the, all the beginning of this. Like how old are you? How would you say you are when when this is going on? When I'm going to park jams and and and, and block parties and, and stuff like that, I'm trying to be 12, 13 years old. And you and your your mom, nobody gives a shit. You're just throwing no, yourself going into with the... my brothers. My brothers were older than me. So yeah. if my brothers uh... were going, or if there was a if there was a bunch of us, like you could hear the music. Like I lived one of the big parks by where I lived at, well, it was pretty a good walk, mm -hmm. was a park called Jamaica Park. Okay. Right? And I went to junior high school 192. Jam Master J lived across the street from there. Sometimes they would jam at 192 Park. But most of the time, I was in Jamaica Park. The music would be so loud because the DJs were the people that you looked up to. These crews of DJs, the Master Sounds, the Disco Twins, the Furlough Companies, the Infinity Machines, these DJs that you knew about were the draw. And they had so much equipment, it would be so loud, you could hear it all the way on my block. You'd be like, yo, is somebody jamming in the park? And then, you know, the word would go out, yeah, they had Jamaica Park. Mine, and I'm going with Kurt and Gene and Daryl and this one. And I, can I go? My mother be like, "Yeah, y'all be careful because those days you didn't worry too much about pedophiles and the kids just got you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, we went to, yeah, we walked to, <laughs> we walked to school up there anyway. So Jamaica Park was probably from Hollis Avenue, one, two, three, four, five, probably six blocks up Avenue wise. Yeah, and you just went to the park, and then it was time to go. Everybody walked home. The cops would really shut it down when it got dark. That's yeah. why everybody, yeah, when it's, when it's nighttime, they come, all right, you guys got to turn that down because they start getting complaints from the neighbors. But other than that, they didn't care if we was jamming in the park. We'd be out there all day just having fun. God, it's so funny just, you know, knowing the roots of how it started to seeing the evolution. Of, I'm not saying that every show that goes on now is is bad vibes, but it just it feels like it, it's either getting shut down or there's fights or because of social media and the camera phones. It's like and like everybody doesn't wants to be the man. And, and instead of just being there and being positive, which is what right. hip hop started as this loving thing of just like, man, this is our shit and we're going to do this and we're together for that. Um, right. What about what about when? So you're saying Sugar Hill Gang? Because I want to start getting. I want to figure out how we get to rock him from this and Eric B. But you know, when does it start? You know, because like you're saying, it's about the beat, it's about the DJ, and then Sugar Hill Gang is about the rhymes. When does the evolution of the MC start coming on? Because right, 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 right after that, right after that, because then all of these little record labels started popping up. Sugar Hill was an independent label. 
Yeah. So now you got all of these record labels coming up. You got Enjoy Records. You got all of these little offshoot records. None of it. None of these are affiliated with a major yet. None of them. It's just print these 12 inches the best you can and get these records out to the stores and let's see how we can sell records. So then you got Sugar Hill Records. I remember the uh, flashes on the beatboxes on Enjoy Records and then Sugar Hill. They didn't have a deal with a lot of these people that had these little record labels. They put the records out. And then for the popularity of it, and then Sugar Hill started signing acts, right? They had the sequence was the first hip hop uh, uh, girl rap group that I saw signed to a label. And then all of these record labels start popping up because of the success of uh, Rapper's Delight. And then remember, Curtis Blow got a deal. Yeah. Well, he had a, he had a single deal. And it depends on how many singles he sold, he getting whether or not he got an album deal. And then he put out like Christmas rapping and that thing sold like a million easy. And all of a sudden he's the first rapper signed to a major label. That's how the majors got into it. Oh, They didn't want to touch it. They did not want to touch it. (laughs) They didn't understand it. They didn't like it. They didn't want to touch it. But when you see something start selling, Millions of records. <laughs> you touch that's where you know you got to touch it now. <laughs> yeah, you got to touch it's about, it. It's not about the art anymore. It's about let's make some money off of this thing. Sure. There's so many people even now that are like, you know, just like, how does this person have a career? People like them and people buy yeah. their shit. And if people buy their that's shit, right. man, they'll work. They'll work forever. And, but it was always... like Jake, like Jake Paul. Oh, yeah. I mean, any of this, most of the social <laughs> media people, polls, right? He's any like, what the any fuck? girl with a nice ass on Instagram, it's like, yeah. it's like, fuck it, man. Yeah. Give her money, dude. That yeah. way, she, until that butt gets You're floppy. Right. Look, look, like, how, look how Kim Kardashian took a fuck tape and turned mm-hmm. it into a billion dollar industry. Billion 100%. dollars. And I hate to say this. I hate to say this, Ed. Uh, I am a part of her growth because I was a PA, a production assistant on the first two seasons of Keeping wow. Up with the Kardashians. I know, uh, I know, I'm not proud but of people it. people buy I'm into not. it. So at, at some point you can't be mad at it because no, if people all. buy into it and they like it and they watch it, it is what it is. And that's just the growth of hip hop. The labels started buying into it after Spring Records. I can't remember all them little labels, but they popped up and were signing hip hop artists and putting these records out. And these records were actually selling a lot of records. More yeah. so than some of the R&B acts and disco acts that they had at the time. Hip-hop just kind of was a wave. And it, 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 just, it, it was like a tidal wave, though. It doesn't sound yeah. like... It sounds like hip-hop went from n- nobody knew who the fuck it was until it's like, holy shit, this is a yeah. force to be reckoned with. It was a sub. It was a subculture. Yeah. Yeah, because my dad totally did not get it. Just <laughs> he did. He just was like, anybody can do that bibbity bop, scoop dop, that <laughs> shit. That's not music. And I was like, Dad, listen to it. I was like, you don't want to turn me on to the last poets. Listen to it, man. These cats are saying something. Oh, they talking about what kind of cars they got. No. I'm like, Dad, it evolves. There's other people that's talking about other stuff. You just, you have to listen to it, you know, because yeah. they thought it was a passive fancy. Sure, sure. And and I mean, there was also like a different style of rapping 
you know, back then, which, you know, I, I always, I have this joke on stage, which is like, it's like when white people rap now, it's like, they're almost going down to the basics of what hip hop was back in the day. So they'll be right. at like a company party and it'll be like, Tina from HR is going to spit a freestyle. <laughs> she's like, she's like, listen, everybody, I'm here to say, I do the Xerox in a major way. Yeah, that's right. yeah. And that's like, that is the roots of the the basic, like you were saying, the guy that did yeah. here comes the judge. That's what it was, and and so let's before because because I mean literally hip hop is going to change the second this record we're about to talk uh, talk about comes out. So how did it suddenly go from that style of rapping, the hunky dunky dookie and a scootily do, to suddenly what we have with Rakim? Like because that is what I it consider was it was a tra- it was a transitional period. Yeah, that's why I I know Rob very very well. Um, him and I recently did something with one of my good friends, Carl Banks, for Starter for the anniversary of Starter and for the New York Giants, and we all sat in the room and we was talking about it. And I said, "Can I take my time out right now to give this man his flowers?" Because yeah. Rob Kim is a game changer. Game changer. Everything was super aggressive before Rob Kim, even a great Run DMC. As great as they are, they were super aggressive. What do you LL mean? Cool you say you say you say aggressive because I mean it was it just like the boasting? Rom style. Rom yeah. style. Ha! Remember? Everything was hurrah. Even Curtis Blow, Melly Mel, Melly Mel with the clientele. I'm on the rock your child, ring your bell. See, yeah. I'm so bad, I'm so nice. I ride around on the ground and make the world turn twice. Everybody okay. was aggressive. Running and was king of rock. There is none higher, right? Yeah. Making stadium music, right? LL, I can't live without my radio. Until, you know, he slowed it down. Well, I need love. But Rock Kim totally changed the way everybody rhymed. Everybody. Rock Kim, if I had to do a a tree of hip hop, Mm -hmm. Rock Kim's branch, the leaves on that branch is Biggie. Nas, Jay-Z, and everybody else that's come after him. Yeah. It's on it's on that or uh, uh, leaves on the Rock Kim branch on the hip hop tree. Because Rock Kim slowed it down. I remember Molly Mall, great friend, love Molly. And I remember being in a stu- in a radio station when Molly Mall and Red Alert both in the room and just me. And I'm standing and I'm quiet. I'm just sitting in my seat. I'm quiet. And they turn around, look at me. It's like, hey, what's up with you? I said, I can't believe that I'm lucky enough to say that I know both of you. Wow. Red Alert, who was there from the inception of hip hop. And then you come with Molly Maul, right? Molly gave us Shan, Shante, uh, all of these people that were kind of aggressive style artists. And then here comes William Griffin out of Long Island. And he completely slows it down. So Molly was telling me the story about how they did my melody, right? Even the first, Kane, it's the first saw it's the first single from the record, right? Really, no, no, I'm melody. sorry, no, it was the first B side. It was the first B side from from Eric B as president. Um, right. Yeah, so go ahead. So go. I'm sorry about that. So Molly's telling me about check out my melody, and he says, "Rakim comes into the studio, and in Molly's apartment in Queensbridge, yeah, is where this record was recorded." Marley has the mic set up, and Rakim says, yo, man, give me a chair and bring the microphone down. And Marley's like, nah, man, you got to get into it. Like, you know, you got to let people know what you're talking about. And Rakim was like, nah, this, 
This is how I do me, man. I'm laid back. I'm 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 cool. I'm cool with it. And you can feel that from him when you hear even Eric B as president, right? Yeah. You can hear that that laid backness, that that coolness, that non-aggressive approach that I will put Eminem on that tree too, on on, on as a leaf on the rock him tree. Has many words that he will put in, and the way that he will would rhyme was different than the my name is Karen. I work at HR. I do Xerox. I'm a superstar. <laughs> That's yeah. the way most people were rhyming, right? But Rock yeah. switched it up 100. percent You know, I mean, yeah, completely. And it's it, like it's not even just the you know the energy that he's putting out. There's a there's a strong confidence, but humble. Like like you know he's he's not he's boasting in a way, but it's not like what you were saying of like I'm the king. I'm the great. You know, it's like right. It's like this is this. This is from a dude that wanted to go to college to play football. This is a dude that had no aspirations of being a rap star. He just just rhymed at his school in the lunchroom. And then uh, a guy that we all know that passed away, that used to be with EPMD all the time, brought Eric B. came to Long Island looking for uh, Freddie Fox. And Freddie Fox wasn't around, and he told... He said, yo, man, I know this dude named Rakim. Like, you should check him out. He can rhyme. And they went to Rakim's house. He made that record with, with, uh, with Molly Maul. They did My Melody and Eric B. as president. And he had no aspirations of making this his career. It just kind of happened. And that's kind of like who he is, right? Like, yeah. LL sent in tapes and tapes and tapes to Def Jam before one of the Beastie Boys heard it and played it for Rick Rubin. LL was trying to be a star. Rakim never wanted, he didn't, he didn't have no aspirations of being a hip hop star. Wow. At all. Even though he knew Bismarck and Bismarck, you know, came to his school and he was rhyming with Bismarck doing the beatbox in his lunchroom. That's not what his focus was. His focus was football. And later he becomes the God MC. So it's just I, like, I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this because like, you know, being that he had no aspirations to be one of the greatest MCs to ever do it. Did you have any aspirations to be on the radio and to host, you know, one of the most important hip hop shows? Like when you first heard hip hop, did you have any idea that you would suddenly make that fucking, you'd be such a huge I, I part of I, it? I never knew what happened. I, I knew, I knew when I heard LL Cool J, I wasn't good enough to be an MC. I knew that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I knew I was better than running them from my neighborhood because they was in my neighborhood. And I used to rhyme in the park too. And at that time, they wouldn't even let Run touch a mic in the park, right? So yeah. I knew I was I was better than them. But later on, they developed into something incredible. But when I heard LL, <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, maybe I I'm not that good." But I love hip hop, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to figure out, and I'm stuck because I'm in the top forty band playing trumpet at the same time. So I'm stuck between these two worlds: this world of funk and this world of hip hop. And uh, in '89. You know, I'm already Rock Kim and them is already out. They they burning up the charts, right? Yeah. Eric B. A president for president is out, and that was like the international song that we all did the WAP on. Like when that record came out, you at the block party, clap your hands, everybody start wapping and that, 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 because that record is a um, they took they take an interpolation of over like a fat rap by Fonda Ray. That's yeah. what that baseline is, right? And Eric put that record together, did a fantastic job, but. It was just, 
it was so incredible. And then it took over, eight. huh? It took over. Like it, it, it took was over. when 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 the streets heard that song or heard Eric heard Eric B. Yeah, about him. Yeah, it, it, it was just a game changing moment in hip hop. Absolutely, and it, and 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 um, you never heard nobody say came in the door said it before. I never let the mic magnetize me no more. Like. The mic is magnetizing him to come to the microphone, but it's biting me, fighting me, inviting me to rhyme. I can't hold it back. I'm looking for a line. People didn't know what he was talking about. I'm looking for a line to plug this shit in. Yeah. Right? So I could get busy, take it off my coat, clearing my throat. The rhyme will be said until I hit the last note. My rhyme won't refine any kinds of ideas. Self-esteem made it seem like the thought took years to build. Right there is crazy. Mm-hmm. But still say a rhyme after the next one. Prepared, never scared. I just bless one. And you know that I'm the soloist, so every beat make him clap to this. That was crazy. And then when he said, you thought I was a... That was the line. People had that on their sweatshirts. You thought I was a donut, you tried to glaze me. What? <laughs> that was like, that was like, what do yeah. you say? Yeah. <laughs> I heard that was in a response to Janet Jackson. Rakim had some issues with uh, what have you done for me lately? Uh, where she's oh, bashing yeah? man. Yeah, just we were oh, reading man, some of man. our researcher Adam's uh, notes here. The track touched the nerve for Rakim, who wrote an answer song about it that morphed into Eric B as president. Uh, okay. Yeah, so he was like pissed off at Janet Jackson, but he was like diss tracks are, are kind of out of style, he, he felt. So right, so he didn't just, go full bl- uh, on it. Man, that line right there was on like a lot of sweatshirts. <laughs> Thought I was a donut. You tried to click. Nobody had ever said nothing that slick before. Nobody. I mean, as aggressive hot. as as great as hip hop was, as much as we liked hip hop, nobody said nothing like you thought I was a donut. You tried to glaze me. It was just. It was. It was. It was amazing. It 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 took the whole world by surprise. I think it even took Rakim by surprise. Like how quick. That record blew up. And I was on Zakia and Fourth and Broadway at the time. Another small layer. Zakia Records was a subsidiary of the Fourth and Broadway. Fourth and Broadway was mostly famous because that's the uh that was a subsidiary of Island, mm-hmm. which was Bob Marley's label. Yeah. Gong time. Bob Marley yeah. did more numbers on Island Records. Bob Marley then I think Grace Jones was on there for a while mm-hmm. too. She's on Fourth and Broadway if I but for Eric B. and Rakim, man, that was, that was crazy. We were just t- loving every minute of it. Everybody was like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And then when we found out that Eric B. was from Queens and Rakim was from Long Island, we was like... He's one of your own, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we like, the- we the champions of hip-hop. Because remember, we had to live through Manhattan keep making it, Bronx keep taking it, Brooklyn and Queens keep faking it, yeah, from KRS-One. We had to live through that shit that Queens is faking it. And I was like, how are we faking it? We got Run DMC and LL Cool J and all of these other dudes. And we just had to live with that. And as much as you hated it, you loved the record. And we know that (laughs) we knew it wasn't directed to the whole of Queens, that it was directed to Molly Maul and Shan and Roxanne Shantatum, but he included everybody. So when we knew we had another champion, with Eric being Rock Kim, we were super fucking, we were stoked, dude. Yeah. We was like, what? He from Long Island? Eric B is from Queens? <laughs> nice. We got borough another rivalry. one of our asses. <laughs> we were always just... the most underrated borough. Into, I think 
the probably the most underrated borough in New York City. Still absolutely. is. I still I still think I still think Queens. I I live in Manhattan. You know, Brooklyn gets all the fucking especially. Yeah. In, you know, Brooklyn's like you know you got to pay more to live in Williamsburg now and some of those areas. But Queens, everybody, you 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 go to fucking Ditmar Station all the way up there. You go yeah. to like that's a that's a beautiful area. You get a nice place and live in a nice neighborhood. Yeah, you sure can. And we were the underdogs of hip-hop for a long time. Staten Island was worse than us. And then sure. here comes the Wu-Tang Clan and changed that, that changed. narrative. <laughs> yeah, right. From fucking ever, right? Yeah. But before Staten Island, it was Queens. It was always, it's the Bronx, it's Brooklyn, it's Manhattan, and then Queens, and then Staten Island. So we were like underrated when it came to hip-hop. Like they used to, talk crazy shit about us, tell us we live in the desert, all kind of shit. Like, they, Queens was whack to everybody in the city. Even going to Latin Quarter days, you ain't even want to tell nobody you were from Queens. Like, when the Brooklyn dudes used to troop around holding on each other's shoulders, going through the club yelling, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, and they asked you where you from, I'd be like, yeah. I, 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 they was taking people's coats and stupid shit like that. And I remember they ran up on me and asked me, I had the sheepskin coat on. And I, this one, I knew Brooklyn dudes weren't that bright, even though I was born in Brooklyn. Yeah. They asked me where I was from. I was like, I'm from Brooklyn. They was like, where? What's your address? I said, 328 Chauncey Street. You know what that is? That's what? fucking Ralph Cramden's address from the honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> and they was like, oh, I bet. He from Brooklyn. He from Brooklyn. 328 Chauncey Street. I was like, y'all dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> saved me my coat that day. But, sure, yeah, that's a good lambskin. But, <laughs> you know, Brooklyn was known, Brooklyn was known for, for taking it. That's what, you know, that's what Brooklyn, man. You know, you know, the Bronx, you know, Brooklyn and Queens was whack. So when we got Rakim and Eric B., it really opened it up for like all of Long Island too, right? For Public Enemy and for De La Soul and for all of them dudes that, that came out there and decided to do something. And Rakim was just fucking cool. Like it was, Rakim was fucking cool, dude. I already like, played the sax. Like you can, you, yeah, yeah, the I just least surprising thing ever. Playing the <laughs> saxophone. And he said he patterned his rhyme styles after jazz music. That's where he got the dot, the dot, the dot, 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 dot. You know, everything was different for Rakim. And Rakim just, I just think Rakim was just fucking smart as fucking thought differently from everybody else when it comes to rhyme patterns and rhyme schemes and metaphors and assemblies. He just wasn't going to be what everybody else was. And and he wasn't. And again, that's why they call him the God MC. Yeah, and and that... And that still sticks around. I mean, when you talk about the top 10 great, you talk about the top 10 greatest MCs, you know, not like biggest artists, you know, but like selling records. I'm talking the greatest at the game of spitting rhymes. Rakim is always in that discussion. I went to the uh, 50th anniversary, the hip hop showcase thing uh, that this DJ did at uh, Radio City Music Hall uh, a few months ago. And, and they played two or three songs of like 20 or 30 people's art. They had EPMD. They didn't have LL, but they had like, I think, goddamn, uh, everybody nice and smooth and, and just everybody. Uh, Sugar Hill, uh, everybody was there. But when, when Rakim came out, I mean, that was like, was he, stole, he stole the show just, just from the reaction over. from the audience. Yeah. Yeah, because Rakim is that fucking cool. 
It just did. You know, my melody was was crazy. You know what's crazy about my melody too? What's that? The fact, and I tell Rakim this, he's the first person I ever heard say repetition on a hip hop record. That's the first time I ever heard anybody say my repetition of words is check out my melody. That's the that's the 21 MCs record right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that you said I take seven MCs, put them in a line, at seven more brothers who think they can rhyme. It'll take seven more before I go for mine. That's 21 MCs eight up at the same time. We was all there like this. <laughs> seven times three is uh oh shit, that is 21. That's 21. That's that those are the kind of rhymes that made him stand out from anybody else. Anybody is the fact that he would say shit like that that make you scratch your head. Like, we had tape, right? It was tape. You rewound mm-hmm. that shit. Rakim was a person that made you rewind his music and his tape so you could absolutely comprehend what he was, what saying. He was saying. Yeah, you almost have to write it out. Like, I remember, like, that's that's how I used to get lyrics when I was a little kid. You know, I would just, like, listen to the tape, right. get a line, write that down, play, push play, write that down. And he's somebody right. that you want, you want to... It's almost like... You know, being able to rhyme over with other people's shit, sure. Being able to rhyme like a Rakim song, because I really got into him when it came to uh, the 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 Eric uh, the Don't Sweat the Technique. That was the right. shit that I really, you know, because Juice was what really that was where I think I first really heard him, and then from there it was like Know the Ledge, Don't Sweat the Technique, and then oh I went back God. and got into know this the shit. Ledge. And then to find out that he played live drums on that record, did he really? Yes. Or know the ledge. He played the mm. drums. He did. He produced that record. Oh my God. And went in man. and played the drums. That record right there. That record's so hard. Oh my God. And and what's that funny. Is so and hard. I and I know and I know that jazz had already been sampled before that, but it was just like talk about like when I think of it, like I know, like Tribe Called Quest gets a lot of love for it, but goddamn, like the a lot of those jazz samples, those. I mean, that is like, yeah. it's, it's just brilliant. I mean, his one, I think his godmother is a jazz singer. I think it might have been Sarah Vaughn. Really, I think is is Rod Kim's godmother. Yeah, so he grew up, he grew up in that era. That's why he was playing saxophone. That jazz music was in his system. So I guess it was just a natural progression for Rock Kim to take, you know, don't sweat the technique. It's all over the place. And nobody else could could rhyme like that. You know, you had Kane and Kane, I love Kane. Kane is always gonna be in my top five too. But Kane was more literal, get bold. I just can't hold back and forth because I'm a man of soul. In control of the effects of what the heck. Rock the discotheque and the screw was what's next. Mm-hmm. The groove the set, the tap, the tap, the tap. Rock Kim was like, eh, 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 And you were like, yo, what the fuck did this guy just say? And how does he make it all make sense? How does he, how he do it? I, I never know. But like you said, when Rock Kim comes out, any show, Rock any the show. Bells. Rock the Bells in Queens uh, uh, last year that I hosted with Roxanne Shante. When Rock came out, it was That's different. It. Yeah. Hip, Mary J. Blige could do Sweet Thing 
and I've seen her do this and just hold the microphone out. Rod Kim does paid in full, and he don't say a fucking word. <laughs> the audience says the whole song. Sure. He don't say shit. The audience says, oh, that is the true testament of a great MC when you don't have to say nothing and the, the audience to say the whole fucking, I've seen them do it on many occasions. The audience just does paid in full. That's is it. Is it, is it, is paid in full one of, if not the, I mean, is it, like, how important in hip hop is the song paid in full? Well, shit, the movie paid in full would have never happened if that record didn't happen. Sure. It's it's up there. It's up there. It's it's, it's probably because it don't have a hook. There's no hook. Yeah, there isn't. You, you know, hip hop songs was beginning, verse, you know, hook, verse, verse. hook, verse you know, and then maybe out, either three or four verses. This is really like one verse. Yeah. And then they and then they talking. You go to your girl house, and I go to mine, and my girl's definitely mad for us to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. So let's pop the music up and count our money. Yo, check it out. Yo, Eli, turn the bass up, let the beat keep on rocking, and we out of here. What happened to peace? Peace, peace. It ain't no pay, 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 paid in full, because I paid the full. I yeah. paid the full. Yeah. It says hit the studio because I'm paid in full. That's the only time he says paid in full. Yeah. That's Man, it. I play the fish, which is my favorite dish. But without no money, it's still a wish. Cause I don't like to dream about getting paid. So I'll turn it to the books of the rhymes that I made, tune out and test and see if I got pulled, hit the studio. Cause I'm paid in full. That's the, it. And and it's like I'm I'm reading some of the it's like he's not talking about he's not flaunting wealth very very humble uh freedom to buy a plate of fish and get paid for honest work i mean that's so right. against the grain of everything yeah. that hip-hop has turned into absolutely you know I, I, I used to roll up this is a hole up ain't nothing funny but still don't nothing move but the money but here it is now i learned to earn because i'm righteous it feels great. So maybe I might just search for a nine to five. If I strive, then maybe I'll stay alive. So I walk up the street, whistling this, feeling out of place. Cause man, do I miss a pen and a paper, a stereo or a tape of me and Eric B and a nice big plate of fish, which is my favorite dish, but without no money, it's still a wish. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. He's like, I'm, I'm fucked up. Yeah. I'm broke. I used yeah. to run up on a motherfucker and be like, give it to me. You know what it is. This is a hold up. But I'm not doing it that no more because I'm righteous. Do you know how many people that record influenced to walk the righteous path? That's brilliant. And he's so humble that he don't he don't get it. One of the greatest moments of my life. I promise you, I walked off that stage and I said, I can die right now. I was in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. And they used to have something going on out there where this promoter would bring all these hip-hop acts every year. And this is in the 2000s. And the one year, he, I remember he had Public Enemy out there 
Wow. This is one of the greatest things I've ever seen, too. And Scarface just happened to be in town. And Scarface came out with Public Enemy. It oh, was doing wow. Public Enemy songs. It was crazy. Rakim was on the show. I introduced Rakim. Rakim comes out. He gives me that. What's up, Ed? Y'all know my man, Ed Lover. Ed's my boy. Blah, blah, blah. He starts rocking. Now I'm sitting, I'm still on the stage sitting there. And after two songs, he looks at me and go, come on, Ed, you know these songs, right? Back me up. And I backed him up for the first. Oh, dude. (laughs) Bro. That's special. Come on, son, son. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The McNugget Buddies are coming through McDonald's again. And they've got brand new fits created by street-style icon Kerwin Frost. Get the brand new Buddies and your McDonald's faves. Your choice of a Big Mac or 10-piece McNuggets, plus a medium fries and medium drink. Collect them all before they're gone. Only in the Kerwin Frost box. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is being brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guaranteed. With eBay Authenticity Guaranteed, you know you're getting the real deal. Whether you're looking for a head-turning handbag or a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gym, or sneakers and streetwear that makes every step feel fly. It's like the first time I was looking for them Jordan 1s, like when they really came out and I couldn't get my hands on them. And it was something about that sneaker that I always wanted to have because I never got it in the very, very, very beginning. I fell in love with that sneaker. And when I finally got it, oh, baby. These days, to know for sure you're getting a real deal, go straight to eBay where you're searching. Just look for that blue check mark. It will say authenticity guarantee. That means when you buy it, you can be confident that it's authenticated by real experts. You got to get it from eBay because then you know you got the real deal. Now you know that when something is limited and you can't find it, you can find it on eBay. Listen, when you're finally ready to buy that thing that you love, 
You have to make sure you're not going to catch a fake. They're everywhere, and it's really tough to tell the difference for yourself. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, that's easy. So again, look for the blue check mark. That way, when it hits your doorstep, not only do you know it's real, but that feeling you get when you put it on is also for real. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Come on, side, side. I back rock him up for the whole entire. I walked off that stage like I could get hit by a car right now. I'm going to hip hop heaven. I'm fucking good, bro. Well, you, I am good. Can I tell you something? I mean this, and this is like this is the question I asked you earlier. Is dude, you've lived a hip hop cream dream. You yeah, have, definitely. you have, you have not. It's all been that, dude. You're when you talk about hip hop. This guy, like you, were saying he was playing what trumpet in a funk band. Is that what you said? Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. motherfucker. You, when I think of hip hop, I can't not think of Yo MTV Raps, one of the most well, important. Thank you. And I don't think of of you know of you know I don't think I like Funk Bastard Flex or Fab Five Freddy. I think of you. I think of you, motherfucker, and Dre. That's Thank who you. I think of because that was Thank the you. show that I watched. So how? Yo, bro, I just saw uh, <laughs> something on YouTube the other day. I saw it on Instagram. There's a clip of Double Trouble from Wildstyle. Yeah. Right? And I look in the back, and there's fucking Fat Five Freddy. So I go back, and I watch Wildstyle again, and he's in the whole fucking movie. Really? I'm like, yo, Fab is like the coolest motherfucker. In the <laughs> I'm like, look at this motherfucker. Now, just way before I knew Fab. I heard of Fab because of Rapture. Yeah. And he was in the video. Fat Five Freddy said that everybody fly. So I didn't know who the fuck Fat Five Freddy really was until Yo MTV Raps. And I'm like, yo, Fab is an ambassador. Like, Fab was there, because Fab was a graph writer. Yeah, and graffiti really? is, yeah, he wrote Fab all over the place. Fab Five, you can see that shit all over the place. And I never knew who the dude was, but I used to see the tags when I got on the train and stuff. And when I met him, I was like, yo, this is... The dude, like you were in wild style, dude. Like in the late 70s, 78, 79, you were around hip hop. 80, 81, he was directing hip hop videos. I was like, yo, this dude right here, man. I take my hat off to Fab. Fab is the reason Dre and I were on TV. Really? You yeah, take us there. Yeah. Cause that, that's, this is, this He's is like, reason. you, we nailed, we talked, we rock him, we got it. I want to know, right. I want to know your story now because I, I'm, three, I'm just been such people, a fan for years. Three people were at the helm of us being on your own TV rights. And one of them is Fab Five Freddy. Well, okay. of course the bosses had to green light it, sure. but the wonder kid at MTV at that time was a, a young kid by the name of Ted Demi. God rest his Yeah. Got, got Ted Demi, man. Yeah, yeah, Ted went on to do Life. He went on to do a lot, a, a, a great lot director, of a great, great, great director. director whose, uh, whose uncle, whose uncle was Jonathan Demi, who did Silence of the Lambs. Yes, right? yes, and very me important. And Ted was, me and Ted was cool. So when I knew Jonathan, I knew Ted for a long time from like junior high school. Yeah, I knew Ted because Ted's father was part of the Episcopalian diocese, and my best friend Kurt's mother was part of the Diocese of Episcopalian. So when they had retreats and all of that, she didn't want Kurt to get into nothing crazy. So she'd be like, bring me along. And I was with Kurt on these religious retreats, and we meet this white kid named Ted, yeah. who was fucking cool as fuck, that knew hip-hop the way we knew hip-hop, 
and loved them and lived right there in Rockville Center. So the friendship grows and it bonds. And we start bringing our guys over to Ted Block to play him and his friend and two-hand touch football or whatever. We knew each other. We kept in touch all through high school. And then he goes to Cortland State. Now, he's he's on the radio at Cortland State, and he's bartending in this place called Tootie Saloon, and he's on the radio, and he tells us to come up for this Cortland State picnic, unlike any fucking thing I've ever seen. I've never seen somebody give you, if you're over 21, a band, and they have all of these beer trucks all over the place with the spouts in the side of the fucking truck. So you're just handing them your cup, and they just giving you a fucking cup of beer and handing it back to you. Yeah. So Ted's on the on the radio like the brothers are coming, the brothers are coming, and here we come in a fucking minivan, about fifteen of us, and we get to the door to the saloon. This fucking giant linebacker white boy goes, "You guys must be the brothers," and we're like, "Yeah, we the brothers." <laughs> and we walk in, and we get drunk, and we just fucking had a good so, so fast forward. Ted's on MTV. He's a production assistant at first, okay. then he works his way up, and then I start seeing his name. I didn't even have MTV in my house. I went to somebody else's house and I see Ted Demi. And I'm like, yo, that's I wonder if that's the same Ted that we knew. Sure. And I get like, yeah, Kurt's like, yeah, that's Teddy over at MTV. Then they do the pilot show for your MTV raps. And I see produced Ted Demi, Peter Darty. And I asked Kurt again, yo, is that Ted? He said, yeah. And then I see Fab Show come on in 88. I see Ted again. I'm like, yo, I have to get on to this shit. Like, I know hip-hop like I know the back of my fucking hand. I love this shit. I start fucking bugging Ted. Bro, let me get on. Let me get on. Let me get on. Ted's like, nah, right now, you know, they're only doing Fab Show or whatever. I said, well, let me get on and do a record report. Let me do a movie something. report. Something. Let me do something because I know hip-hop. He's like, ah, we're just going to stay with Fab. So Ted calls me one day and says, Ed, they want to do a daily show. Fab, this is where Fab comes in. Fab doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to be overexposed. And he got so much other shit going on. Like, I didn't know Fab and Basquiat was best friends. I didn't know oh, that. Wow. wow. I didn't know right now you can't get a Basquiat unless you go through Fab. He represents the family. No shit. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> he crazy. curates all the Basquiat's in the fucking museums around the world. He has his own bar. Fab will never work again if he doesn't want to. I guess not. <laughs> he has fucking original Basquiat sketches that were given to him. Fab is fucking straight. So Fab doesn't want to do it. Ted has to now put together a daily show. So Ted calls me. Peter Doherty knew Dre. Dre used to DJ for the Beastie Boys on the road. Mm -hmm. Dre had a group called Original Concept, right, that was signed to Def Jam. So Peter knows Dre. He has Dre come in. Dre auditions before me. Then he's off into Peter's office. I saw Dre when I walked in. I don't know Dr. Dre from a can of fucking paint. Never met this dude before <laughs> in my life. He was on a radio out in, Lo in Long Island at Delphi University. I'm in Queens. That's way out there. Different and world. we had to put fucking tinfoil on the antenna on the radio to pick that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Never yeah. Heard him. yeah, yeah. I knew about original concept, but I wasn't like a huge fan of the group. I knew the record knowledge of me. I thought it was dope. And I was like, okay. And he was like, yo, I'm Dr. Trey. I was like, oh, what's up, bro? I'm Ed. And uh, he goes off to Peter's office and then Ted puts me on tape, right? On that big, stupid-ass VHS tape and the camera is 
huge. And <laughs> so he puts me on that shit. And then he calls Peter and he goes, Peter, is Dre still in your office? He was like, yeah. He said, send him down. So Dre comes down. Now it's Dre and I together in the office. And Ted goes, let me put something on tape for y'all two together. So I'm sitting there. I'm trying to figure out what we want to do. And I says, Dre, um, what's your background? You Jamaican, right? He's like, yeah, I'm Jamaican. He's like, I'm like, can you do a Jamaican accent? He's like, yeah. Ted had came from Jamaica, and he had like the dreadlock wigs that you know is the hat, but it got the dreads. Yeah. So he had two of them. So I put one on. Dre put one on, and we start interacting in his Jamaican accents, like introducing <laughs> video. And Ted goes, "That's it, Laurel and Hardy. That's what I want." He says, "It's going to be a studio show. Fab yeah. is going to be on the road. Y'all would be at home in the studio." most of the time, but it's a different look. It's a different aesthetic. Dre's fat. You're skinny. This is what I want. Yeah. And he took it upstairs and that's how we got it. And when did you first, what time of day was it? It was on at midnight or 10 or what no, time? we were it on was, it was day, right? Daytime, like yeah, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, uh, dude, we it, there, was, it was come home from kid. school. It was come home from yeah, school. You came home from school. Your own TV rats was, was right there. It was, so dude, right it was, it was, the, time, right away. dude, Jared, it was like, because yeah. it, it was, which well, is half so, an hour at first, it came on after hard 30. Uh, it, yeah, was, it was, it was, it was club MTV, then hard 30, and then your MTV raps. And that's that what that you, afternoon block. And that's what you found out, man. I mean, like, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many different artists I experienced and learned about from your MTV raps, just like I did from Headbangers Ball. You know, there right. was MTV was was the That's radio. What came on after us. It was it was Club MTV. God, was dude. Club MTV. Oh, I do. I used to. Yeah. I used to. I used to. Those were some of the first well, boners I ever got from Club right? MTV. That was Ricky Rackman, right? That, Ricky Rackman was Headbangers Ball. Do Do you remember? Right. Do you, Do you remember the grind? The grind was. <laughs> yeah. That was that was softcore <laughs> porn back yeah, in the day, was. bro. <laughs> Eric Nice. Eric Knees, just hot chicks yeah, dancing. I, I used to call Eric Knees the fake Mark Wahlberg, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, dude. Dude. Because he never had his shirt on. He swore he was Marky Mark. I was like, boy, Eric was dude, cool, though. I want to have more questions, but I want to tell this story because it's so funny. It's like, uh, Jeremiah, you'll know this. So me and Tassos and a bunch of kids went to this party. We, we grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland. We go to our first, like, party with alcohol and everything, and we walk three miles to the party, and then at, like, 2 a.m., we walk three miles back to my parents' house, and it's, like, me and five of my, my friends all in my living room, and we put on MTV to fall asleep, and I'm laying on the couch, and suddenly I wake up, in the, I just wake up and I have a Charlie horse and I jump up and I'm like, ah, ah. And my buddy Tassos wakes up and he sees me doing like, ah, ah. But he sees the grind on MTV. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, ah, Charlie horse, Charlie horse. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, dude. It's like, you, you know, people will never understand like these kids. And I hate to say like kids, I'm not going to be that guy that's like, they don't get it. And what we had was this. But man, we were fucking there for the creation of what all this shit has become and 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 there'd be no social media no nothing without what y'all did hip-hop would never be what it is today without yeah. the two of you guys man it Absolutely. was important. it was very Absolutely. important and i always say i always say you know certain things happen at a certain time right you look at it and you say wow jordan never made more than 32 million dollars in a single season but sure. it was the nike money that kept them that created him to be a billionaire, right? And then you look at a guy like uh, Jason Brown from the Celtics, not knocking it, but how do you how do you say this guy is worth 
$55 million a season. He's never yeah. won a fucking championship. Nothing. Oh, because he's been here for seven years. And for seven years, we went to the playoffs. It's like the, the pioneers never get the money. Cool Herc and them guys never got their just due. They paid. never got the money. They never got paid. And they created something that was so astronomical and astounding that they, you know, that they, they should have got paid. You know, but they they never really got there just to. I just found out that there was, I think it was, I don't remember who it was. I think they gave Herc like $500,000 or something like that, spearheaded by Swiss Beats. But they tried to give back to the pioneers who didn't get paid off of this music. You know, this music has spread out so much. If I had social media, I'd have had a fucking 100 million followers. 100%, dude. Easy, easy you would have had it. Yeah. Easy you know? because we were we were the international hip hop show. We mm-hmm. were on everywhere, bro. It wasn't just the United States. We were on all over the fucking world, all over. And every time we travel abroad, we could we could feel that shit. Where the fans uh, where the fans show you the most love? Do you see it in England, Germany, England, 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 okay. France? Germany, because a the lot French of French love hip hop. <laughs> yeah, a lot of cool like army bases and air force bases and shit in Germany. So a lot of those kids were there. So we got a lot of love. Like the Germans took to it like fucking immediately. And the Netherlands, real mm-hmm. real cool. Japan was unfucking believable um, because they didn't even fucking speak English, but they knew all the videos and all the shit like that. So you know, it was just like. We didn't understand what kind of a worldwide phenomenon this show was. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, Tupac and uh, movies. I mean, Juice. Uh, I know already. Josh was talking about you know staying up to watch uh, the movie last night. Who's the man? But uh, you know, you announced Tupac's death. Like, I mean, I, I, I had to. Thank, thank you to Nas. I will forever be indebted to Nas for that moment. Because he's the one that told me to go out there and do it. I told him. I heard it on the radio on the way to Nassau, uh, Nassau County to that stadium where they had a show. I heard Angie Martinez say it on the radio. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, um, I had been on. I was still on Hot 97 in the morning. And um, when I heard it, I was like, yo, I got to go. And I'm going to tell, you know, I had a backstage pass. So Nas is on stage. So I tell his man to tell him, yo, you got to tell Nas to come here. So he comes over to and be in between songs. I go, Yo, Nas, his just was confirmed. Angie just confirmed that Tupac died this evening. You got to go out there and tell the audience, we got to show some respect for dude, right? And Nas is like, Nah, big dog, you, uh, you know me. That ain't, you do it. And he gave me a microphone and, and, and let me go out there and, uh, and announce it. And then years later, he contacts me. On King's Disease 2, there's a song on there that's called Death Row East. And the last thing you hear on the song is me announcing that uh, Tupac wow. had died. So I made a Nas record, too. Wow. Then let me ask you this question, because I don't, I didn't want to like really venture into this, but I'm curious if if being that 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 New York, you know, Nas is so New York and, you know, even though Tupac is is from Baltimore, but like really L.A. adopted him as home and there was that beef between the East and the West. 
like was there really was there really a beef or was there more of just this this love because it sounds like if Nas is like you got to do it and I can't do it because it hurts too much that he actually cares about this guy that's working yeah, for death they had, whatever little beef they had they had squashed their beef already they did okay yeah so their beef was done and we we understood what it was at the time anybody that was in the business at that time knew that it was more or less death row bad boy mm-hmm. none of the other artists none of the other labels none of that other shit had nothing to do with it the media hyped it up because death row was the number one label in the west coast yeah and at that time bad boy was ruling the east coast with more radio hits than probably anybody could shake a stick at at that time yeah that was that's really what it was it was suge puffy suge didn't like puff for some reason Suge wanted to be the king of the mountain, and look what that got him, right? And um, he didn't like Puff. So when he made that statement at the Source Awards, which was hosted by me and Dre, yeah. if you don't watch, yeah, that was the, that was very much a lot of tension. And I think, you know, the West Coast took it a certain way because that was one day that I can honestly say they was going to beat the shit out of them boys. Mm, really? I mean, they had like, they had like a, 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 a they had like a, a, a a mafia fucking meeting of, of like all the heads of the five families like got backstage like we're not letting these motherfuckers come to New York and talk this disrespectful shit. We might not love Puff either. We might not want that shiny suit bullshit in hip hop, yep. but he's New York and you're not going to come to New York and talk that bullshit about us. Two great things happened at that show. Shug said that shit and that's the same show that Outkast, Outkast. won. Yep, Outkast. And dude, Drake that was legendary. Oh yeah. Yeah. Out, Al- dude. Outkast. I was just in Atlanta, and and I, dude, I went, dude, I went to Magic City just to pay my respect. I went to to the best strip <laughs> club in the world. I went to Mary Max and got. It was just, I, it's such a <laughs> such a great area, and and like, yeah, that was such an important thing. Out of all of that, that you said that tension to have Outkast come yeah, out and be Drake, like, no, man. Drake, Drake said the South got something to say. Yeah. And God, did they have something to say? You know, nobody could predict it like that. I loved Outkast at the time. New York just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. yeah that's all. And they felt slighted, you know? Sure. And, um, man, like everybody did. Like it took a while for, you know, NWA to even catch on in New York. Too short to catch on in New York. You know, they were already bubbling and we just, we were so New York. When you're from New York, you know, you kind of live in a fucking strange bubble. You know, there's 18 million people, 600 different languages. Yep. Somebody come out trying to do something that you invented. You're like, get this bullshit out of here. <laughs> but we opened it up. And I think that's one of the great things about you on TV Raps is we opened hip hop up for the entire country really and did, for man. the entire world. And we kind of introduced people to artists that were in different cities and different states that they might not have ever heard about unless they saw it on television. Yeah. And vice yeah. versa. You know, a lot of the artists like, you know, Kane and I'm gonna tell you that their um their shows got a lot bigger after your TV rides because now they can play in these little towns where they couldn't mm-hmm. play it before. That's yeah. a big play deal. The Especially for a couple of white kids from uh from Montgomery County, Maryland. <laughs> like, what? Let me I ask mean, you a question. Hip hop is the me... biggest uh, music is for genre every in the fucking world. Body, man. Yeah. There's this guy that 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 be on the internet all the time by the name of Dr. Umar. And, and him and I just got into a little disagreement because he went on to say that Eminem could not be one of the greatest of all time because he's white. 
And I'm like, first of all, Dr. Umar, who the fuck are you to even yeah. be talking about hip hop? Like you wasn't there. You don't understand that some of the some white people have made incredible contributions to hip hop. That's like saying Pun or Fat Joe can't be one of the greatest because they're not African American, because they're Puerto Rican. Or saying Ruby D or Charlie Chase from that was the DJ and the MC or Tito from the Fantastic Five, uh, uh, Fantastic Four don't count because they were dabbling in something that was created by African-Americans. Hip hop is for every fucking body. Everybody. Okay. Eminem is not fucking vanilla ice. Eminem, Eminem is nice on the fucking mic. If he wasn't, Jay-Z wouldn't have did no record with him. Dr. Yeah. Dre wouldn't have produced no fucking tracks for him. 50 Cent wouldn't have did no record for him. Get a dude a break. Why is Eminem always the poster child for white rappers that don't fucking belong? And my thing was, bro, I was, I was, I've been in since 89. The shit really popped off in 77. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I wasn't there from the beginning. And when we was rocking in the golden era, we don't fucking know you, bro. You wasn't there. So if you not, if you've never played professional football, you can't go on TV talking shit about football. Yeah. You wasn't around hip hop. You're not a part of this fraternity. Yeah. And we consider ourselves a fraternity. You're not a part of it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a lot of flack for that. Oh, here go Ed, Uncle Tommen, taking up for the white boy. No, I'm taking up for fucking hip hop. Yeah. We yeah. spread the gospel of this shit for everybody to enjoy. There's been French rappers. There's been English rappers. There's been German rappers. There's been dudes from all over the place. There's Nigerian, there's Dominican dudes that only sell records in Spanish-speaking countries all over the place. They can't be hip-hop because they not, or they can't be one of the greatest. Who's the fuck to say who the greatest is anyway? Yeah, yeah. It's never ending. We can say who one of the greatest is, but you can't, you can't take, what do you quantify as being the greatest? Do you take sales? What do you take? What, what makes somebody one of the greatest in hip hop? It's what are you? What are you? What are you? I was like, this is a question I wanted to ask you. What do you consider? Like, so if I had to say, what are your five? Who are your five? I don't and, have any. I get this don't. question all the time. Really? I don't get, I don't have a top five. It's ever, it's an ever evolving. I could, I usually go, this is the way I explain to people about the LeBron James and Michael Jordan comparison. Yeah. Go by errors. Go by who is the best in their era. Yeah. There's no top five of nothing. Because there's going to be some cat, and, and, and we might be dead and gone, but there's going to be some cat that's going to break the singles, you know, going to break the all-time scoring record that LeBron has. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's going to be some cat out there that's going to fucking end up getting like five or six straight or maybe seven straight championships. And people are going to be like, he's better than LeBron. He's the greatest of all time. There's always going to tout somebody to being the greatest of all time. In certain eras, in that very early era, Melly Mel, Kumo D, those guys right there, that's that, that, that 77. Okay, so then you can put Rock Him in there, you can put KRS One in there, you can put LL in there, but can you split up a group? Can you say it's run and not, you know what I mean? So it's so many little things to it. Do you the say the game evolves? Well, you right. Know? Do you say this guy is better because he sold more records? Shit, Vanilla Ice sold a lot more records than a lot of people. Is he in your top five? No. As an MC? Or are we going just 
lyrics. Nothing more, nothing less. What a true MC is, a master of ceremonies. And I still couldn't do it. Because yeah, I'm going to yeah. leave somebody out, and I'm going to be like, God, how did I not say Kane, right? How did I not say the mighty KRS-One? Yeah. How did I, you know, and people that really didn't curse that much, that, you know, that were like fan favorites of my mom, like, Heavy D was fucking incredible. Like, I love Heavy, Heavy D. Yeah. There, there's no biggie without Heavy D. <laughs> there's there's no pun. Half made it cool to be big. Remember, the fat boys were looked upon, we liked them. But they were looked upon as more of a novelty act. Yeah. Because they did a lot of records about eating and being fat and all that. Heavy just said, I'm I'm the overweight lover. Look at me. Girls love me. Girls always squeeze me. Heavy, let me squeeze you. He didn't dwell on being a big guy, but his name was Heavy D. And then you had Big, and then you had Pun, and then you had all of these guys that didn't have to worry about their weight anymore because half made it cold. Like, contribution-wise... There's too many people for me to say that there's a top five. I think yeah. Black Thought is incredible. I think yeah. most oh, Def is yeah. incredible. They don't sell a lot of records, but I still think they're incredible. They're incredible MCs. I think Bun B is incredible. Oh my God! Have you had Have you had Trill Burgers yet? Oh, it's incredible. Uh, it's a, yeah, I was uh, I because I I it was crazy. I was doing I do these like man in the street things, and I was out in Times Square with my camera guy, and I run into Slink Johnson and Bun B, and they're working for Rock the Bells, and so I get to ask Bun B a bunch of questions about music, and I was like, "What's your favorite song ever?" And he's like, "He's like Karma Police by Radiohead," and it, and I put that clip up and he explains why, right. but it gets it gets millions of views because you're getting this legend of hip hop who's saying. People would have expected it to be, you know, right? Uh, you, know, so like, or, you know, yeah, or fucking, you know, fight the power or something, right? For, you know, famous in hip hop, and it's to be this rock show, and that is because, you know, music it transcends everything. It, tra it transcends race. It transcends age. It's like whether you are, like we said, if you're a French kid or you're a kid from Germantown, Maryland, or you're a black kid from Chicago, you know, music right. hits you when it's supposed to hit you, and that's and right. Yeah, and it's it's a beautiful thing. I love it's and, really. And, and, and in the way in the way that it hits you and it's for everybody and i hate when people try to pigeonhole it like okay you want to hold on to it because okay we didn't make the most money off of it that we should have and a lot of people got taken advantage of by a lot of labels but that shit been going on for the longest period of time it went on with rock it went on with r&b it went on with jazz whatever the popular music was the record company gonna find a way of screwing the shit out of you yeah, that's just the way it is, right? That's like going to a comedy club. You do stand up, I do stand up. It's like going to a comedy club and the shit don't sell out, and the promoter come to you and go, "Well, you know, I can't pay you what I was supposed to pay you because look, nobody came to see it, motherfucker. I ain't the promoter. You the promoter. So how you gonna blame it on me? And that's the same way with music. We created this shit. Somebody created a black man didn't create the electric guitar. Does that mean Jimi Hendrix can't be one of the greatest guitar players of all time? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You are. This right. is stupid. It's a, that argument to me is just is 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 fucking dumb. No, and and I completely agree with you. Here, let's let's wrap this up. Let's get you out of here. I want to ask you a couple questions. We ask everybody this, and dude, you could not have been 
this was such a great episode and so perfect. I'm so happy that you came on to talk about this because thank you, dude. It, I appreciate it, it. It really just to get this inside look on on Rakim and hip hop and and how important, like you said, all of this that we've talked about is to the to, to music. I mean, it was just it was perfect. Um, so back to this record. What is your favorite song on Paid in Full? Paid in Full. Paid in Full. Is there Paid anything? Is there anything on the album that you skip over? Chinese arithmetic, probably. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a little, little, it's a, it's a little, a little, little long dated. and a little boring. Little, yes. little dated, little dated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Can you fuck to this record? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know you got soul. Yeah, you could definitely. I did a parody of I know you got soul. Really? Yeah. It's pretty nasty, too. I did a parody of I Know You Got Soul. Where can we find it? Is it on like, uh, YouTube? I never shit? record it. I'll record it just for you. But it, it, it goes a little <laughs> bit of it goes, um, it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without a warm bed to step to. Think about all the weak sex you slept through. Time's up. I'm sorry I kept you. Thinking of this, you didn't want to miss. My dick get hard for I take a piss. And you laying in my bed with your legs in the air soon. As I finish, run to the bathroom. Let me pump your pussy till it overflow. Then you grab a towel, because there you go. It's a four-letter word, and the word ain't soul. When I'm doing work, I'm in your hole. I make you come like a red alert. I eat your pussy, you go berserk. This ain't the same boring guy you got stuck with. Cause look at all the new positions I've come up with. Look at my dick, my shit is big, phenomenal. I'll fuck you hard like I did a long time ago. It could be done, now only I could do it. Now do you wanna clap your hands or fuck to it? I start to think, and then I sink into the pillow because your pussy stink. When I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm trapped in between the sheets, I escape. When a nut is released, I'm in your hole. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. You heard it here first. I did that a long time ago. When I know you got stone came out. I used to love the right parody, so I wrote that shit. Oh, it's great. Uh, this is this is a question I'm going to ask specifically for you before I ask the last question. What would be your what would be the moment like? And I know you talked about going up there and rhyming with Rakim, but from from working on your MTV raps, what was your favorite like moment that you can remember? Like something There's, two, that, of them. What is There's it? two of them. I know he's a much maligned man now in his older age after we found out some of the stuff that he allegedly did. Yeah. That was Bill Bill Cosby for sure. a week at the height of the Cosby show. And then he had me on the Cosby show. And the other one was the Godfather sold James Brown. Yeah. Because sure. James Brown being like the, the most sampled person in the history of hip hop, having James Brown on that show with Dr. Dre and myself and T Money. Shooting a week of shows with James Brown was, that was the ultimate, ultimate for me. And just for him to be who he was, he's he's very business-like, very smart. He knew his shit. Everybody on that set had to call him Mr. Brown, except for me, Dre, and T-Money. Really? We're the only ones he allowed to call him James. Even his assistants were Mr. Brown, Mr. Wow. Brown, <laughs> Mr. Brown. Even the cameraman, even the pro producers, that came because you know when you got somebody of that magnitude come everybody comes sure to yeah. the taping exactly so even all the, all the heads of MTV that was like James up Mr Brown <laughs> my name is James my first name so only me Dre T Money got to call him James and that was that was it for me man. That is that's that's the top dude. I mean, yeah, that was hardest, it for me. hardest working man in show business. Yeah. 
you know. And he comes and does Joe MTV raps. I mean, how could he not? It's it's the hottest show on television, and he's he's, he's he's the grandfather. Somehow, his breakbeats are like yeah. you said, are the most sampled of hip hop. Yeah. There is no hip hop without somebody cutting without up his fucking shit. Funky drama and a yep. lot of the other shit he put out. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. What what would be your elevator pitch to get someone to listen to Rakim and Eric B. Paid in full the album? My elevator pitch would be: Hey, have you ever heard? Eric B. or Rakim? No, I never heard of them before. Well, what kind of music do you like? Well, I like rock. Do you love like Eric Clapton? Yeah, well, Rakim is the Eric Clapton on a, on a microphone. You need to listen to this. This is not your average, regular hip-hop. If you love Coltrane, then you will love Rakim's wordplay. It's in the same vein. It's yeah. that creative. If you're a jazz cat and you love Miles Davis or you love Wynton Marsalis, then you need to hear this young man. He's more than an MC. He's a poet. He's he's incredible. If you love poetry, then you gotta sit back and listen to Rakim. And you could go online and find acapella versions. Just listen. If you don't like the music, just listen to what he's saying. That would be my elevator pitch. No and matter that's... what kind of music that you like, Rakim is the epitome on the top notch of the person that you like in that genre. I love that. I love that. I love that you, that you put Clapton because he clapped. They always say Clapton's God, you know, the way he played guitar and, and uh, you know, like you said, dude, it's, it's Rakim is, is the fucking man. He's the top. He's a yeah, for the record, his, uh, Jimi Hendrix is actually the guitar. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. Eric Clapton stole a lot of shit. From for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Promote away, dude. Anything you want to promote? What do you have going on yes, that we can, we can find Everybody you? Everybody listen to my podcast. It's called Come On, Sign the Podcast. It's nice. six and a half years strong. Recently signed a syndication deal with uh, Odyssey. So that's coming soon. I'm on 15 stations of Odysseys right now. And we just did a new syndication deal. So that is going to happen. 94.7 The Block in New York City. Every night from 7 to 11 is the Ed Lover Experience. So you can hear me there back in New York on the radio where I belong. And just look at look for me on a, on a, on a comedy stage near you. Um, I'm going to be out actually hosting with uh, Straight Jokes No Chaser Tour with, with uh, D.L. Hughley and Cedric the Entertainer oh, wow. and Bruce Bruce, Earthquake, and Lunell. So they're going to move Bruce. Bruce was hosting. They're going to move Bruce to do a set and let me host. So Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Oh, that's great. And, that's dude, I, I don't know all of them, but Lunell is my fucking girl. And that's like... Lunell keeps feeling my ass every time I'm around. I told you she's going to be some pussy. She keeps she's, playing. She's throwing it, dude. She always throws. Don't make a difference how old that bitch she's is. She's throwing she'll, at you. I'll be like, Lunell, you're one of I fuck with her all the time. I love it. I love it. Dude, this was so great. Thank you for coming on, bro. Thank, Thank you. Man. Thank y'all for having me, man. Peace and Appreciate love and you. blessings. And Peace and love. forever, baby. You know it. This episode of Come On Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover. Come on, son. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.